0: everybody, thanks for joining me uh, this week on another episode of PRI Talk. Uh, We've got kind of a lot to chat about today, so we will just dive right in. Um, First thing I want to talk about this this week is um, just kind of the the heartbreaking announcement uh, at William & Mary uh, that they were uh, canceling um, or or cutting uh, quite a few programs, seven actually, um, and their women's volleyball team was one of those seven. Um, and this is the, the first division one school to cut women's volleyball. Um, and so I want to take a second just to address some of the issues here um, that I, I see and, and foresee going on. And I talked about this a little bit um, when I was talking about Stan- the Stanford cutting all of their um, programs a few weeks ago. Um, and, and, and part of my argument here has been and is, um, that these programs have been on the chopping block for some time. Um, and now because of COVID and uh, the financial issues and struggles that are going to, um, be coming down the pipeline, um, COVID is being used as an excuse, um, or reason to cut or defund these, um, programs, usually, you know, Olympics type sports, um, several comments online and I was, as I was going through some of the feeds and posts about them um, kind of hinted at this idea. Um, You know, some of those people are, are close to the school and program. And so, um, you know, taking their feeling, obviously a lot of people were really upset about it, but kind of taking their feeling based on my taking their feeling and my um, opinion and perspective on, on all this. Um, And, but the idea is that the William and Mary um, administration has been wanting to do this for, for some time. One of the things that I will point out, um, is that William Mary is now down to 16 sports. Okay. Um, magically they ended up at 16 by cutting these programs. And that's the smallest number needed to be a division one institution. So that ended up at 17, that ended up at 18, they ended up at 16. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it kind of begs the question that if, if 16 wasn't the minimum, how many other programs would have been cut? And so cutting the programs, the amount of programs they needed to be at the minimum for Division One, and, and I think that this is going to be something that we're going to continue to see. I think we're going to continue to see programs get cut from schools um, as they, they lower the, the overall amount of money that they're putting into programs that maybe don't make money for the school, right? Um, and part of my um, discussion today is you know, talking about how division one schools have been living above their means for a long time. And now it's going to have a negative impact on athletes across the country. Um, that, that these schools have been bringing in so much money for whatever reason, from whatever resources that, that now that they're not getting that, the um, uh, stream of income like they normally do. Um, it, it's going to, uh, adversely affect a lot of athletes. Okay. Um, And and a lot of schools are making cuts kind of across the board. Um, I know coaches that have taken salary cuts, you know, furloughed staff, all that kind of stuff. Um, But those things are really temporary, right? I mean, you can't, you can't, um, if you have a contract as a, as a coach, you can't take a 20% pay cut for the rest of your contract. That's not how that works. Um, So obviously there's, there's some issues there, but these, Um when we're making cuts kind of across the board, those things are temporary. Um, but but I feel like as we get into this more and that revenue stream seems to dry up or at least presently dries up in the present tense, um we're gonna have more programs cut in the future. Um I think this is just going to be, I think William Mary, first volleyball program, division one. I think we're gonna see others. Um, and and I and, and and if it helps at all. Um, I was on the phone with that staff that morning talking about some 21 athletes and some 22 athletes that they were interested in and looking at, and we were talking about those athletes and, and no way they would have been on the phone with that, that morning if they knew that their program was going to get cut later that afternoon. So that helps, um, you know, with just the fact that this was a huge bombshell bombshell dropped on those coaches and staffs of those programs that were cut. Um, obviously the other programs cut besides just volleyball, but we're here to talk volleyball. So there you go. Um, but, but it was a bombshell for those coaches. They had no idea this was coming. Um, so, so it's really unfortunate. Um, and I think what, what's, what we're going to see is and what's happening is we're cutting programs in order to fund the programs at the college level that someone or a group of people, um, you know, doesn't want cut. Right. So, so we're, we're cutting program A, B and C to help fo- fund program DEF. Um, you know, instead of, Uh, and this, you know, this athletic institutions have overspent putting themselves in, in debt for, for a long time. Just go Google the, the, um, the, the, um, amount of money that these programs spend, um, every year. And and some of it is with donors and things like that, but these programs spend a ton of money. Um, and, and, and these schools depend, depend on the basketball money for the NCAA tournament and then big football money right a lot of um, obviously for the power 5 that money comes from um tv revenue but for a lot of these other programs the, the quote unquote mid major division 1 um football programs like it, it's the big money games it's the 500,000 600,000 750,000 football game where they go get beat up by by a power 5 school And that money helps fund their entire program and and without those things these mid-major Division one schools are, are going to be in debt. Um, and, and, and I think that, that the, the overspending that you've seen for a while, and anyone that's in athletics or coaches knows that there's lots of overspending um, in a lot of different areas, and you have people who are in charge of lots of money that don't know the first thing about budgeting money or handling money, um, but they think they can just throw money at something and win um, you know, hire a coach with a with a whatever resume and you know, throw some money at them to get them there. Well and then they, they turn around and don't win. And there's and there's lots of reasons for, for all of that kind of stuff happening, but you can't just throw money at issues or throw money at things and, and hope it win and hope they win. And there's a lot of um programs that think that way. And again, this goes back to You know the the mid major division one school trying to compare themselves to a power five program, and it just you just can't Um, you can't do those things because they don't they don't add up. Um, And if you saw this article um, that was posted just a little bit ago, I think yesterday, um, college football teams spend millions staying in hotels before home games. Okay, and this is we're talking about right now. We're talking about this is happening now Um, that hundreds of thousands of dollars are being spent for power five programs, football teams to stay in a hotel before a home game. Um, And so, and so you see just the kind of blatant disregard for everything that's happening um, with, with some of these football programs. Yes. You want your team to stay in a hotel room because parties and stuff like that over the weekend and you want control over your athletes. But, um, but now when most, most schools don't even have uh, their students on campus or all of their students on campus, is something like that really necessary and, and, you know, we're, we're just going to spend money because we can and we don't have quote unquote budgets. Right. So, so really interesting article. Um, if you're, you know, unsure at, at how maybe kind of unfair uh, some sports have it over others, then, then read art, read, go find that article. It's a good one. Um, but, but two questions, how many division one programs are in debt right now um, and, and mostly looking at the mid-major schools Obviously, there's some Power Five programs that probably overspend, and they uh, are probably able to make up that money with do- donors and things like that. But um, a lot of mid-major schools are are in debt or or budget to be in debt on a regular basis. And again, they just depend on that money from the NCAA, or or that money's worked into their budget. Um, and when they don't hit it, like they're they're in trouble. and and programs are in trouble and this, and this kind of thing is, is, you know, runs rampant through division one programs um, in my opinion, maybe not every program, but, but there's definitely a bunch Um, and and you just, you have to live within your means. Um, You know, this is the same thing we talk about with budgeting for families and households is if you, if you don't have that money coming in, you can't spend money here and here. And so um, I I think for too long, athletics departments have um, you know, as a whole, I uh, just lived above their means. And, and the amount of money that they they spent has not been spent well, maybe, um, or they've been spending it on things that they don't need, um, you know, excess excess this and excess this um, for for a lot of different a lot of different things. so um, and and this is part of the reason why I pleaded a couple of weeks ago with uh, with you on here in my division two coaching friends to please don't compare yourself to a division one program. okay, This is another reason why. Um, division two schools and programs don't operate in this world where they where where they're dependent on um, huge payouts for football games and TV revenue and stuff like that Um, there's not always again sometimes there's not huge donors pumping tens of million dollars um, into division two programs at least I don't think if you're one of those let me know (laughs) but I don't think there's very many Um, and so division two schools operate in a world that stays way more consistent um, and way less dependent on, on outside um, sources and revenue sources. And so they haven't got used to spending the, the millions and millions of dollars that a lot of these division one programs, again, I'm talking about mid major schools um, that are spending millions of dollars and being in debt and that sort of thing. Okay. I'm not talking about just power five. Um, so, so division two schools live in this world. That's less dependent um, on these type of revenue. Um, and, and we've, we've, Function for so long at this certain level of spending that we just have no idea what to do except cut entire programs. Um, and, and I will point out that a lot of these programs probably existed before big money got started pumping into this, these athletic programs. So before the huge jump in TV revenue and things like that, 10 or so years ago, maybe 20 years ago now I'm old. Um, but before big TV revenue, um, you know, before these million dollar football games, um, you know, these programs existed, and athletic departments figured out a way to make it work. Um, but uh, now we're seeing that that either they don't want to make it work, um, and they don't care about it working, or they just they just can't function. Um, and, and if you're going to be pumping your money into football and basketball, and you have to keep those budgets the same, because obviously we've got to spend millions of dollars for you know for hotel and food and stuff like that during a, a home game. Um, and we can't change that, then, then we're going to see more and more, you know, Olympic type sports get cut. Okay. But that is, of course, all just my speculation. All right. Thing number two. that um, I wanted to just throw out there for you guys to see um, if you did not, if you don't follow Kerry Walsh um, on Instagram, I don't know if you should or you shouldn't, but as a volleyball person, um, I follow Carrie Walsh on Instagram. Um, She, several days ago, uh, posted what I thought was a very um, sincere, thought-out perspective on kind of what she was going through um, with all of this mask-wearing, mask-not-wearing coronavirus stuff. Um, I thought her perspective was very good. Obviously, she had spent a lot of time thinking about it and processing it, um, but uh, and and I, I don't mean to get political on this show at all, but Carrie Walsh is arguably the best volleyball player in our lifetime. So um, I feel like this this fits. Um, but uh, but I, it, I don't want to talk about the mask thing. What I do want to talk about, though, is like going through those comments after her post and you just see the, 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 the vile things that people were saying to her and about her. Um, and, and the, the comments that crack me up are the ones like, you're better than this, Carrie Walsh and things like that. And I'm just like, you don't know her at all. You know what I mean? And not that Carrie Walsh is a bad person by any means. Uh, um, I've never met her. Um, but everything that I, you know, see, she seems like a a great person, good person. Um, but if, if you actually knew Carrie Walsh, you wouldn't be commenting on her, um, uh instagram post about how that she's better than this like you just wouldn't do that right um if you disagree with her i'm sure you're texting her or calling her or something like that if you actually know her so uh, it, it, and and my thing on this is is we don't need we, we don't need politicians or whatever else that people want to point to to be divisive and and um whatever uh in our country like we're doing that plenty by ourselves and, and just we don't need help from, from outside sources. We do it plenty on our own. Um, Again, like I think she had over a thousand comments on her first post and probably several hundred on her second. I didn't, I saw her second post go up really quick. um, And so I didn't see all the comments and I didn't go through all the comments about her second post, but her first post, thousands of comments, majority of them negative. Um, And so I just, again, I don't think we need help from outside sources to be divisive and hatred and vile towards each other. And 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 for the, the people that are listening here, be a better person, be a good person, treat people with respect. And, and um, a lot of things will be better because of it. So um, anyway, go follow Kerry Walsh on Instagram. And while you're at it, follow me as well, PRI Talk or Parallel Recruiting Initiative, uh, both on Instagram. Uh, third thing I wanted to get into. Um, my blog on Monday, I I've said this for the last two years, I've been doing this, um, uh, doing the, the recruiting stuff is you need to know the recruiting rules. Um, and, and not so that you don't get in trouble because there's very few things on, on this end of recruiting that will get an athlete in trouble. Very few. Um, there are obviously some, um, and, and usually those are really, really big. And so a lot of little things are, aren't really things that you're, gonna be able to get in trouble for okay so so but understanding the rules so that you understand big picture when and where and how to do things the right way and how to engage with college coaches and when to engage with college coaches those things are really important so I talked about a dead period okay I had several athletes um, comment to me over the last couple of weeks that I hadn't been sending emails or I didn't think coaches could email me back because we're on a dead period okay and a dead period again, has zero to do with emailing, texting, phone calls, okay? Sending questionnaires, uh, camp invites. No one's doing camp right now, but um, but but those things, zero impact on, on dead period or quiet period, okay? Dead period is no, basically, um, I'm sum, summarizing here. Uh, you can go to my blog and read the actual NCAA definition. I copied and pasted it in there what the actual def- definition of a dead period is. Um, but with a dead period, basically you don't get on or off campus recruiting. Okay. So no camps on campus, no visits. Um, and then, and then you can't go out to qualifiers and stuff like that. A quiet period would just be no off campus recruiting. Okay. So you can still do camps. You can still have visits during a quiet period. Um, but you just can't go off and recruit during a quiet period. Again, no issue with emailing, phone calling, texting college coaches, zero. Okay. Um, so Know the rules, know the, the guidelines and standards and things like that that you, um, that you have when you're going through this recruiting process. It will hurt you in the process if you assume that a college coach can't email, text, call you back, okay? Um, even for you freshmen, right? You can email college coaches. You can actually still text them, okay? They obviously can't respond to the email or the text, but you can do both those things. Um, and all that has to do with showing interest and things like that. And, um, but, but go read my blog, go check out some of the other blog posts on there. Um, I talk about this stuff on a regular basis cause it is very, very important that you know what's going on with the recruiting rules. Okay. Last thing off the court. Um, this is by far Every time I think about it, I laugh. By far the best video on the internet right now. Um, And I don't know if you can really relate, but you know when you have that dream of you falling and you wake up like as you're falling, okay? Um, There is a video of a guy that I don't know if he fell asleep or passed out or whatever. He's a tandem, I think it's called tandem skydiving. He's skydiving with someone else. Obviously, thankfully, he was skydiving with someone else um, because he passes out on the way down. Uh, and the guy that's with him is 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 filming, it, and he is asleep, like out cold. Um, goes down free fall, pulls the chute, still hasn't woken up, and so he's recording and like falling, and they have to be thousands of feet in the air. I think the the post said like three thousand feet, um, and he 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 wakes his guy up, and his reaction is is so so good and priceless and spot on to how probably all of us would react if we were asleep and woke up and we were actually literally falling from the sky. And he is scared. Uh, I mean, and rightfully so. Um, But I I feel bad for the guy. Uh, But it is hilarious. Um, I did share it on my PRI page on Instagram. Uh, I will try and go find it and share it again so you guys can enjoy it. It is It is hilarious, again, scary, and I feel bad for the guy, but it's really, really funny. All right, that is it. Um, Thank you guys for joining me this week, and I will talk to you again next week. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you have found this podcast interesting, helpful, or beneficial, or you're just a huge fan of myself, then please think about donating to the PRI Talk podcast. I would love to continue bringing you recruiting advice as well as information on current volleyball events, and your support can definitely help make that happen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you would like more tips, updates or recruiting assistance, go to my website, privolleyball.com. Check out my blog or reach out to me directly if you have any other questions. You can also find me on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Recruiting Initiative. If you need specific recruiting help, I have a couple different ways I can help you. Please reach out to me on my website or social media.